What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local, as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast, subscribe to Move Local, and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Duntas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Move Local Podcast, brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me today is my co-host, Donald Azar. Don, how are we doing today? Great. Yeah, we've got another snow day here in Ontario. It's, and you uh, got the biggest grin on your face. It's a tr- I mean, I love the snow, right? It's fun getting out there, although at this point, it's on a on a thick layer of ice out there, so it's yeah. a little sketchy. You know what? I never use your full name, and only on the podcast. Whenever mm, I intro you, I, I say Donald, but I, I kind of like it. Yeah, it feels like I'm, you know, back home, right? So <laughs> yeah. Is that is that yeah, how your parents address you? Not my parents, but my friends from oh, back okay. home. And so it feels we feel very connected. There you know, go. More than the the several years that we've been together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it, um, guys. We're back with another interview this week. I'm stoked. We have uh, Luke from Athlete Farm Training on the podcast today. They have two locations. One is in Brantford, and one is in the Niagara area. Um, they're all about developing athletes, training, building confidence, developing good habits. I'm pumped to have Luke on. Luke, how are we doing today? Doing really well. Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to this. Are you a, a winter fan? Um, yeah, I would say I am. Don't love driving in it, but like the other side, um, prefer it over the summer. It gets a little too hot in the summer for me, so yeah. I'm okay with the winter. My guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're a hockey guy, right? So that, that's got to be a, an, always something you look forward to is the winter season for the hockey. Yeah, the winter's always fun because it means hockey's always on. Uh, whether we're going to a rink to watch or watching it on TV, it's always exciting to watch. I prefer it a lot over baseball, so winter's okay with me. This is just coming to my mind now because I'm thinking about hockey. What was your thoughts on no pros for the for the men's Olympics this year? I think it makes it tough from a fan perspective because obviously you want to see that best-on-best best tournament, but I also think from the league perspective and probably with COVID and everything, it made sense. Yeah. They have games they got to make up at the end of the day. They're, this might be unpopular, but technically the teams are their bosses and they sign the checks. So you got to do what your boss says. And it made the most sense for the league and it's letting us watch some pretty good hockey right now. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's uh, it, it. I thought it was kind of fun to see see like the other teams play and go at it without without the pros there. And uh, who ended up taking home the gold again? It was uh, Finland pulled it off. No, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was I Finland because I saw Komarov was out there and he won the gold. So okay. I think for like not that pros would look lowly upon the Olympic experience, but I think it gave a lot of guys opportunities to be an Olympic athlete and compete who wouldn't get that chance if pros are going. So I think that's kind of cool too. Yeah. Sticking on like the, the hockey theme, I know that was a big part of your career and growing up, um, you know, when did that become part of your life and how, how has that kind of like developed you as a person? Has it played a big role? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's played a huge role in kind of my development. Um, obviously on top of that, got to give a lot of credit to my parents. Um, Grew up on a farm outside of Tilsonburg, so that's where the farm part comes in the name of the business. But got involved in hockey around four, um, then just kind of ran with it from there. Was lucky enough to play for a long time, but I think anytime you deal with the team environment and coaches and all that kind of stuff, it develops you, it teaches you different traits and builds your character, especially with obviously the profession we're in now gives you a lot of experiences that you can share with athletes you're working with and that kind of stuff. And a lot of things that I think also apply to business, dealing with adversity, injuries, that kind of thing. It's helped me a lot. So, yeah. And go ahead. I, I was just going to ask about, um, you know, obviously in the field that you're in with, with athletic development and training at this point um, and having been in it for so long, uh, looking back, for where, from when you were um, training, you know, is, are there dramatic differences that you see? Massive, massive differences. Um, I think as, especially in high school for me, it was go to the gym with your buddies and that was training. And it was like, we all did it, I think, bench press and oh, yeah. squat very, very poorly and load the bar way too heavy and like stupid stuff like that where looking back on it I just shake my head thinking I did it but it's also from our side of things it's also something we when we talk to parents and athletes that we understand training is different where uh, when I was probably 16 or 17 I started to do some athlete like sports performance stuff but it was in a tobacco barn like outside of Tilsonburg and it was more that twist conditioning kind of thing where it was balance and agility and that stuff we didn't really train strength a ton um but it's night and day from where it was. It used to be if you were doing that stuff, you had an advantage just by doing it. And now if you're not training, you're falling behind. And that's what we tell parents. It's not, this isn't the cutting edge advantage anymore. This is what everyone's doing. So it's really integrated as a part of athlete development in any sport is that the off season training or in season strength and conditioning, it's part of what you do if you plan on being successful. When did like, when did it become a big part of your career? Like, was it something you were always like, were you staying on the kind of cutting edge of it at the time? And then that's what kind of led you into like, Hey, this is where I want to take things after I'm done playing or. So with me, it kind of, to be completely honest, it kind of went peaks and valleys when I was 16, 17 and like broke into the OHL, I was really serious about it. And I was training at that tobacco barn um, and training, I think, ahead of the curve of what a lot of people were doing at the time. And then hockey kind of took a downward turn personally for me, like left the OHL, went back and played junior B, which 
when you're 18 or 19, it looked as a step back and it kind of fell off a bit at that time. I went back to going to the gym with my buddies and doing that kind of thing. Um, then when I went to school at um, Ontario Tech, we had a guy, Mark Fitzgerald, who came in and did team sessions my first year on Monday nights. And I went every Monday night and fell back in love with that sports performance side. And that's kind of what re-engaged me on the training side. So like I said, it was kind of up and down. And then since that first year at school, I've kind of stuck with it. Where'd you play? Go ahead, Don. I was going to say, where'd you play Junior B? So I actually played Junior B in Brantford. Okay. Yeah, so that's where like came back from the OHL. And that's kind of my connection to Brantford started was I played a year and a half with they were the Golden Eagles at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I just know I, I used to have a couple of buddies that played. Well, it's the LaSalle Vipers, but they were Tecumseh probably back when you were playing, maybe. They were, we actually, my last year of junior hockey was a loss to LaSalle, Southern okay. Cup Finals. Oh, So dang. thanks okay. for bringing up that sore spot today. Sorry. <laughs> I might, what year would have that been? Sounds like Dalton did his research. Yeah, yeah, that was a. I missed that. That quick internet search there. Um, I think 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. My buddy used to play for for the Vipers too, and I don't know if he was on that team when they won, but that's funny. Yeah, that's so funny. Thanks for bringing that up. So sorry, man. We'll transition away <laughs> from that. Um, let's go into like let's go into athlete farm training then. Like when when did that become a thing? What kind of motivated you to want to start your own thing? Because that's not that's not easy to do by any means. No. So um, while I was at school, going back kind of full circle here with uh, Fitzgerald, who was doing our Monday nights, he ended up opening his own facility. And that's how I got into actually coaching is I think it was after my third year at school. He opened his own facility and was like, hey, you've trained. Do you want to work here? I'm like, hundred percent. So I'd work there full time in the summers and then part time through the school year, obviously. Um, but my last year at school, I'd been away from home for ten or eleven years at the time. So I started kind of looking at opportunities back this way, um, and the opportunity in Brantford came up with the Scott Rex, who coached me in Junior B, was managing a gym, and we started a conversation about how no one was doing the sports performance side seriously in Brantford. So that's kind of where it all started. My last year at school for probably the last four or five months started to kind of put the ball in motion of getting everything lined up, figuring out all that and what it would look like to go out on our own. So it's ironic given that, you know, Brantford's quite a hockey town, right? Um, That nobody was doing that. No. And that's even, so when we came in, like there's a great spot in Cambridge is NLPT, but we were talking to some kids and they were driving 45 minutes. And at that time we had kids who were driving, sorry, not we, but there was kids from Brantford driving 45 minutes or their parents driving 45 minutes in the car for over an hour and driving back 45 minutes. So we were just like, this, like, how's there no one around here? So it was kind of that perfect spot for us to slide into. It's a big like minor sports sit like place in general right like they got a lot of minor sports going out of Brantford yeah they have everything as far as we know like they have obviously the hockey organization they have the Bison's football program there's some lacrosse in the area there's a swim club like they kind of had everything so it's the same kind of thing when you look at some markets in the sports performance side some cities that are almost oversaturated with places Brantford was just kind of sitting there with no one taking it seriously. So it was, looked like the perfect spot to kind of take a shot at it. 
And I know like one of the things that, you know, just looking over your website as I did my research and missed the fact that you lost to the Vipers in the Southern <laughs> Cup in 2010. I have to um, bring it up again, huh? <laughs> I, uh, I noticed like you talk about wanting to build confidence and habits for both like sport and in life for the people that come through through your your uh, facility. Could you tell tell me a little bit more about why that's important and then even how you guys go about trying to like instill that into the training that you you do? Yeah, so I think with a lot of young athletes, you're coming in with kids with training age of zero, maybe one. So just teaching them the movements like short term when we talk about building the confidence and habits of athletes. I think short term the way we look at it um, is just now when these kids go back to their sport, they have the confidence that, hey, I did the work. Like, I'm ready for this. I'm prepared. Um, it's funny where you guys would know this. We have kids who come in for two weeks, start their training, and then you get the email from like mom and dad or the kid comes in and goes, he's already faster. And you're like, yeah, like maybe, but it, you kind of laugh because you're like, the stimulus probably isn't taking that quickly. But it's in their head, they go, well, I've worked on this. So that's that confidence factor we talk about in the short term with athletes where it takes right away. And then bigger picture with them as athletes, knowing that, like we talked about earlier, everyone's doing this. We have to be prepared. When you're going to those other levels, you're usually, I talk from the hockey side, the first day you arrive at camp, you're dropping your bag, you're doing fitness testing. So if you can kick off like we don't train our kids to do well at fitness testing. We train them to do well at their sport. But if you can kick off the first day of training camp with good results because you're physically prepared, that's just going to grow your confidence walking out of that weight room on day one, going on the ice on day two. You know that you're on the radar because you've performed well. Mm -hmm. So that's that bigger picture of a longer off season. And then I think with the habits part, um, the team building aspect, we work with a ton of teams at the minor sport level. That team building aspect and also I think the knowing that the people beside you are working hard, your teammates are working hard, so that every time you show up at the rink, you know you're all in this together. Um, and just getting outside of your sport and developing in different ways. Um, and then real long-term bigger picture of teaching them habits and confidence in life. 99% of the kids who walk through the door athletics is not going to pay their bills. It's not going to be the career path they end up in. And we know that, right? That's just the reality of what we work in. So we want them to build the habits of the consistency of training, even maybe when they don't want to. Um, I think we talked about it in our values. I'm sure we'll get to it. The accountability of showing up, um, the camaraderie of working within a team setting. That's why all the training we do, small group training, um, and all those kind of things just to teach them, really we're training people. Yes, their subsection is athletes, but we're trying to train people and be that good people as they move forward in life is really our end goal. If we train good people, we're gonna have great athletes. It's kind of the way we look at that confidence, habits, and big picture life thing. Yeah, <clears throat> I, li I like the, um, the good people aspect, but I'm, I'm curious to hear more about, about how you curate for that. It's, uh, I mean, you know, is, is it just that the community that you've created there sort of um, sort of has a, there's a certain standard set around that? Um, yeah. Yeah. So day. I think um, we do set a standard that um, when you come in, it's time to work. It's not like, yeah, we're going to have some fun, but there's a responsibility of the athletes that you're here to work as well with your treatment of other people. 
with us, especially in Brantford, we have a large space. So you might have a 10-year-old kid training, a 16-year-old major junior player, a 20-year-old pro, whatever, and then a 40-year-old adult. And it's you treat everyone the same, all right? Everyone is treated well with respect. You're not better than anyone in this space. Um, and I think more than anything, especially with teenage boys more probably than teenage girls, the responsibility of showing up, being on time, cleaning up after yourselves, putting your weights away, like just kind of the standards we set for them that we expect them to maintain within the facility. We hope that they take those and obviously apply them to a bigger part of their lives. That was the one thing that I wanted to ask you about. I think it's cool having that wide spectrum of athlete and skill level, you know, having the young, the young team in there, the young guys and girls in there to having the pros in there all at the same time like do you find that that's kind of a, a cool experience for everyone involved to like be able to work side by side all kind of working towards becoming you know better i i really enjoy it um i think for probably the people who think it's the coolest would be the young kids yeah. when you walk in you see the major junior guys or the pro guys or whatever like it's really cool for them but that's also where we try and integrate it as much as possible where we encourage our major junior guys or whoever say hi to everyone talk to everyone like everyone in here so that there's involvement so it's not like oh that's the junior group over there don't talk to them um but i also think for them it's cool because one thing we try and talk about with um our athletes in that range of even university athletes whatever sport they're in is having some perspective on what they're actually getting to do how we'll say lucky they are and to be able to realize that hey that 12 year old kid thinks you're top of the world there's bad days at that level at that high level of sport everybody knows that but remember that 12 year old kid who thinks what you're doing is the most amazing thing and kind of have some perspective on what you're doing and what you're being allowed to do and getting the privilege to do and i think that kind of comes full circle and that ends up them giving some time back and realizing that hey just because what i think isn't or what i'm doing i think isn't that great or the be all end all that 12 year old kid does mm -hmm. so it gives them to give some time um we try and get them involved if we're running um on a sessions or field sessions or whatever we'll try and throw like a field session where we'll have some kids on the cusp of coming into junior hockey um with our junior guys so that they can see that next level, this is what you're expected. And I think it raises the expectations and it also, it shows those kids how much work has to be put in and how serious these guys take what they do and that side of things. So I think it all just works together and integrates really, really well. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, my daughters are at a Montessori school and so every classroom is like a three year block, right? Um, obviously it, that's a grander scale than than, than what I'm talking about here but you know each one of those kids has an opportunity to sort of be looking up to upstream to see like oh like what am I going to be able to do like or if I work hard what can I get to right um, and those kids at the higher level are sort of looking back down and, and able to be leaders and sort of set standards and and uh, you know hold people accountable right and so it's, it's really cool I like I like hearing about how that sort of model is sort of working in your space yeah, no, and I think it's also contributed to a lot of our off-season coaches over the past three or four years are our athletes. Are our athletes who have come up and 
gotten older or are playing pro now and coming home for the summer and want some part-time work. Those are the coaches we end up because they have relationships and they've been the ones those kids are looking up to. And they're more than happy to go back and work with those kids. And then you also have, I think more importantly, the relationship they can build based on their experiences. Kids having a bad day, kid gets cut from a team, whatever. Hey, come here, let's talk for five minutes. Right. And I think that goes back to when we were talking about good people, great athletes is having the connection and relationships. Like I know it might sound silly, but relationships first result second. Like that's kind of the way I look at it. If you keep good relationships with people, they're going to keep coming back, which is going to give you the time and the leeway to let them produce the results that I think on our side of things, we know we can produce with them with our training. But if you can't build a good relationship, it doesn't matter how great your on paper program is, people won't come back. Totally, yeah. And it's kind of speaks to like that that core value or standard that you guys have a family. You know, that's that must be cool for you to see like the guys come back and be like, hey, could I could I get a spot here to coach? Like that obviously impacted them being there as athletes. So them wanting to come back and and participate from the coaching side, that's a cool thing. And that I think that just feeds into that whole environment that you're that you're talking about with. Um, good people, good athletes. Yeah, no, and that's why family's kind of two-pronged for us with the business side of things where, like we talked about, um, when people walk in the gym, we want everybody to know everybody. Um, if you're training at the same time, whatever, um, hey, how's it going, whatever, with an adult, with a kid, whoever it may be with coaches, um, we push that kind of family aspect of what AFT means and what we do. Um, and then like the second aspect of it is um, over the length of our business, my personal family has grown. The business started in the first year, athletes just got to know me. I was the only one coaching. And then our second year, my wife Taylor started to come in and coach and she grew our shed location, which is the one at our house. So just touching on family again. Um, and she did an amazing job with that. So athletes got to meet her and then in the last, three years or so we've had two sons so our little guys are around the gym they're getting to know athletes so it's really cool for some of these guys and girls who have trained with us for four or five years it's gone from luke to luke and taylor to luke taylor crew and ford so they've gotten to grow and know our family as well um but yeah that's just kind of i think one of my favorite times of the year is the first couple weeks of may when all of our athletes are coming home and the gym starts to get busier and not even for our interaction but seeing them interact with each other hey how was your year what's going on how you doing and seeing like all these different people from different age groups different places in a sense all connecting and being like hey like good to see you it is like a mini family reunion in may with all these athletes coming home and it's such a cool feeling to see that yeah, no, that's awesome, and I, I, I think I've spoken on the podcast about this before, but I think people, when you're in that kind of environment, like not your, like not you, but your athletes, sometimes I think we take for granted how that's intentionally cultivated. Like you guys have worked really hard to cultivate that type of experience for people, and the more that we like grow our business and connect relationships, like we're always thinking about that stuff too, and I always just like to like give people props for doing that because it is hard and it is, takes effort to create to create those types of relationships and bring on good people that are going to carry on those values as you expand and all that stuff. So I love hearing that. I appreciate that. Thank you. And it's also hard when you got guys playing in the same league as each other and they're playing yeah. each other eight times yeah. and <laughs> killing each other all year and then come home and have to be friends again. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I want to talk a little bit about like obviously with COVID that definitely impacted gyms, right? And, and impacted sports on, on a very tough level. Like how, how was that for, for you guys both like obviously as a, as an owner of a facility, but also for like managing a lot of your athletes that probably missed out on some of their seasons. And that was not easy. I'm sure. It was obviously hard. It's been hard for everybody. I think, um, across the board, whether business, personal, whatever. Um, it was challenging. Um, it made us turn and adapt and start to, we have an app now because if you didn't, it was PDF files and emails and everything. So we went with an app to try and help serve our athletes as best we can if they were at home and didn't have access to facilities, which for a long time we didn't. Um, so from a business side of things, it was kind of, serve the athletes as best we can find a way to get through it and keep our head above water knowing that we'll get through this and we'll be back um but i think touching on what we talked about it really showed the relationship part where you had athletes struggling with missing full seasons of sports in important years for them and it became sometimes even if the gym was open sometimes it was more of a sounding board day talk it out and be like hey how you doing like how you holding up well like that side of things and just these I don't know the way I look at it for business we plan on being in business whatever 30 years so losing two years we'll get it back we'll be fine we'll move forward we'll plug through these athletes where they have finite windows and especially when they're two three four years or a super important year they never get that back once your athletic career is over it's over yeah. It's not like the working world where it's kind of like, well, yeah, you struggle, but you make it. Um, so we just felt really, really bad for our athletes. And I'm just happy that everyone's back playing sports again and some of that normalcy is coming back. So hopefully this is near the end of it. But yeah, it was just trying to manage athletes' expectations and help them get through it more than it was about training at the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean, that comes back to that relationship piece that you guys value so highly and you know it, that I'm sure you guys did a great job of, of serving those those athletes. It's it's good that you guys had that that at the forefront. I think for for times like this, because I'm I'm sure I'll, not everyone maybe had gotten that kind of treatment through through this tough time. You know, so that's it's cool to hear. Um, I'm sure May is going to be bumping then, eh? We're excited for May. So yeah, um, we'll have like right now. Obviously busy with all the team stuff, but May through August is kind of my favorite time of the year. You have athletes from all different sports, be it hockey, lacrosse, whatever it is, coming home and it's off season. And that's where you get to see, like even with teams, um, you see them maybe once, twice a week, they're in season. The summer athletes were three to five times a week. So that's really where you build those relationships and spend time together. Um, I'm sure my wife will tell you I spend more time with my athletes through May to August than I spend with my family. So some of them know what's going on, but yeah, that like I talked about too, those first couple of weeks of May, everyone coming home. Um, it's a real fun time of the year. Yeah, uh, I can imagine some uh, some real energy at the moment, even right with with things kind of being a little bit more normal. Um, you must be feeling that at the gym too, that positivity around return. Yeah. So obviously, with the January shutdown. Um, with the minor sports teams we work with that first couple of weeks of February, there was some pent up energy with well, minor sports kids. They always have lots of energy, but you could just feel that excitement to be back to the routine, to getting back on the ice. Like 
that first week, especially we had teams coming in and training after their practices and you could just like ear to ear grins. Like it's the best time to work with kids because they want to be there. And I think obviously you never wish shutdowns or lockdowns upon people, but I think if anything, over the last two years, going back to perspective and perception, they have a new appreciation for how lucky they are to get to do this because all of a sudden it gets taken away. It's like, this sucks. And now they're back. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun having everybody back in and rolling over the last, what it's been month or whatever. So it's been fun. Uh, before we transition to a couple rapid fire questions, what, what is like, uh, your favorite part about working with the athletes that come back? I know you mentioned like, that's, you just mentioned here, like that was one of your favorite things. Like, what do you, what do you like most about it? I think it's getting to see the results. Like, I guess I shouldn't say getting to see the results, getting to see the satisfaction and the happiness the athletes receive from the results, results, like when you get a text through the season, whatever sport they're playing, I feel great. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then you seeing the progression of how their career's going. And I think on a like smaller scale is on a day to day basis, when you're teaching a movement and the light bulb goes off, when it's a little more compact, complicated compound movement or whatever. And all of a sudden that light bulb goes and they get it. And you can see in the athlete's face going, that was it. Um, so for me, that's, especially when you're working with young athletes, you get that a lot, but I think that's one of the coolest parts about coaching in a day-to-day basis is that light bulb going off. And then obviously long-term is getting to chat with athletes about how they're feeling and Hey, the training's really paying off. Like, I guess a little egotistical, but the appreciation getting back from those athletes when they're giving you the thank you so much and just knowing that you're a small piece of their development and their growth. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, our athlete programs and our team's training, it's all focused on trying to do what's best for the athletes and trying to progress them. So anytime they're successful, we're just, that's kind of the end goal for us. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, that satisfaction is egotistical at all. I think <laughs> it always, <clears throat> it always feels good to know that, you know, that what, you know, you, again, you were a small part of, of, of that and there's some appreciation coming back for the hard work that you've put in. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, before we get to the rapid fire, Salton, I, I just had one more, one more thought. You know, we've talked a ton about your youth athletics and kind of semi-pro and pro level players, but then you also referenced some, you know, older ath- athletes and older, um, you know, a- adult yeah. training. So yeah. Do you want to speak a little bit about like what, what that looks like in your space? Yeah. So that's, we call it our everyday athlete program. Nice. It's, it's kind of cool because they're probably the only group of people we work with year round, right? There's no in season, there's no off season. They just want to come and train um, a lot of people before work. Like we have some morning groups of high school teachers, entrepreneurs, like business owners, whatever, different mix of people that come in and train um, in same idea, small group settings who want to be pushed and a lot of our former athletes. Um, but we really enjoy it because I wouldn't say it's more laid back, but it's more, they just want to come in and work and still have that fun aspect of the team environment and we're there to provide it. And it's just a different speed for us and a different perspective on training. Um, but it's really, really cool because like I said, we get to work with them year round. They've got to know us, I think on a very personal level, because you talk a lot, right? When you're there two or three times a week, for three years in a row it's a long relationship so you get to know these people their families and that kind of stuff 
Um, it's kind of cool because they get to be our guinea pigs for the odd exercise or combination of exercise, like some <laughs> conditioning blocks. They get to try them first. And then depending on how many times I get cussed out at the end of it, we know <laughs> if it's good or not. So it's some fun on that side of things. It's a good gauge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into some, some rapid fire questions. Um, one that comes off the top of my head, who, who's your favorite hockey player growing up? Um, personally, I was a Joe Thornton guy. Um, being from Tillsburg, he's from St. Thomas, just big centerman, like pass first. I always liked Joe Thornton. Were you a Boston fan? I wasn't a Boston fan. Um, growing up, I was a Leafs fan by proxy through my dad. He's not like a diehard Leafs fan, so it's okay. Now I've kind of grown into just watching hockey, period. But no, I was just, I don't know, always had a thing just from the kind of close connection of being close to my hometown. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I, uh... I was a Dominic Hasek fan. I was a goalie. I played goalie growing oh, up. Oh, now, now, right? now the comments about losing and all that. Yeah, we're we're having a goalie chat here. Okay, <laughs> now it all makes sense. It's all coming. coming Hasek together. was at least a good one for you to pick. Yeah, yeah. So, cool. S squat or deadlift? Um, that's a great question. You know, I wasn't ready for this. Choosing one doesn't disgrace. I the know, other. no, I know. Um, probably deadlift. I think there's just more going on, more being challenged in the deadlift, and not that we squat for competition death depth, but there's no way to cheat a deadlift. The weight's either coming off the ground or not, and I don't know. I think it's probably a little grittier and yeah. clench your teeth exercise. I'll go deadlift. I'm a deadlift guy too. Yeah. yeah. You too? Yeah. yeah You're a deadlift so. guy too? Yeah. Oh, dude, if yeah. I had to pick an ultimate though, like, and our athletes will back us up on this, rear foot elevated split squats. Yes. That <laughs> is that is our strength dude, standard. We're if back you, on good play. Yeah, we're now, good right? now. That's my, yes. that's ultimately like, I always tell people, I'm like, if you want to get strong, I swear, just do rear foot elevated deadlifts, load it. You can load it as heavy as you want and just fire away, man. We have the, we used to like, have the hundred club like a hundreds in each hand for three to five reps a leg nice. we had to get rid of it because we started having because we we work them a lot as like a main strength exercise we started having 15 16 year old kids knocking them out we're like all right the hundred the hundred club scrap like get rid of it <laughs> like quick kind of off topic story we have a girl who's uh marissa freeman who's up playing at brock university and i think it was her first week in the weight room with the team she walks in and they've got RFEs on the board. She goes over and grabs like a set of 50s. And all the girls on her team are like, Marissa, like, what are you doing? She's like, what? Like, warm up. And they're like, <laughs> they, they're grabbing like, not to knock on the girls or whatever, but they're grabbing 30 or 35s. And Marissa's grabbing the 50s to warm up. She goes, no, no, like I work up to like 100s a leg. <laughs> and they're like, oh my goodness. She's like, it was perfect. Like first week RFEs, it was great. Confidence and sets the tone. There, there you, you go. go. Um, favorite local Brantford restaurant? We actually, oh, uh, if I had to go like setting, like if we're going out for dinner and like if we're going out with staff, especially for a couple beers, um, we'll do sociable. That's usually our go-to. Um, one of our favorite spots, if I'm grabbing dinner and bringing dinner home after work for a wife and kids, Xander's. So those are kind of our two spots. Quick lunch spot that you can never go wrong with though is, uh, uh, now I can't even remember the name. Strode's. 
Mm. The chicken sandwich over at Strode's in a soup. Do you know about that? Tom? Yes. Oh yeah, I spent some time at Strode's <laughs> yeah. in my Brantford days for sure. Yeah. Barbecue spot. Yeah. Okay. Can't go wrong with lunch at Strode's. What about uh, what about beer? Is there is there any like particular brewery there that you enjoy? I go a little more south, going out to Turkey Point, and uh, one of my friends actually is hometown brew. So hometown brew is a pretty good option. They got the sea can, like a little sea can set up in patio at Turkey Point way. Um, they were actually our main beer at our wedding. Oh, so got to gotta push the hometown yeah, brew. Shout out. You got one? No, I was just going to ask, um, I was going to ask if, if you were to recommend somebody um, in like that, the Brantford region to, uh, to jump on the pod with us. Do you have anyone that jumps to mind? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, wow, on the spot. Um, I think someone who's super interesting in the Brantford region who probably doesn't get the recognition recognition she should is Katie McDonald. Um, she's director of rec at the Gretzky Center. Okay. And I think she's done a lot of, lot of cool and interesting stuff and really pushed for different programs. And I think it's a whole other world when you're working for the city and figuring out programs where yeah we have young kids to adults but we're all working within that athlete range where they're working from like toddlers to like seniors and like i don't know i think her job is super interesting so i think she'd be the one i'd recommend cool yeah yeah um, like last question we like to ask every guest is like what does move local mean to you well i think especially through COVID, if we're talking a business sense of move local, um, it's supporting local businesses any way you can. Um, I think over the last two years, you haven't seen too many franchises or big chains closing down or shutting the doors or losing their homes um, or struggling through the things that our small businesses and people around the corner have. Um, we try and make a real effort to do that and support people who, I think at the end of the day, Selfishly, you're going to support people who can support you, right? So spend money where where you can in your community. Um, that's kind of my thing with it is right now more than ever, support the people in your community, your neighbors and that kind of stuff and do all you can if you have the means to help them out and get through these tough times. Love it. Luke, thanks so much, man. Appreciate the time. I know we started off a little rocky there with the with the chirp on the loss, but we made up for it with the rear foot elevated split squats. Um, again, appreciate the time. Uh, I would love to get out and see the spot in Brantford, maybe get a little ses session in, do some deadlifts, something like that. But uh, No, we'd love to have you. So thank you guys very much for having me on. So I really appreciate it. And yeah, we got back on good terms. We're ending on a good note. So. <laughs>